Hello and welcome to Living Word Ministries, where everyone is a winner. Join us as we rightly divide the word of truth. That is because we know who we serve and we know whose we are. So question is, if God has given us all we need, what do we need to take hold of it? We said it was faith. And faith is that currency of heaven. That is the trading currency. So we can't take our physical currency expecting that to pay for heavenly resources. For heavenly resources, we need the heavenly currency. And that is what we said faith is. Faith is a lifeline that every Christian needs. And you cannot become born again without faith. Now we looked at where faith comes from. And we said faith comes by hearing the word of God. And by hearing and by reading and by meditating. And when we do these things, it becomes a rhema. So that when situations happen... We're not going around looking for a minister of God. We're not going around looking for our Bibles. We have that word that is on the inside of us. And that we took from Romans chapter 10 verse 17. And then we looked at where faith is stored. Faith is not stored in heaven. And it's not stored in the church building. It's not in Pastor Charles' house. Faith is where? Faith is within us. And we looked at that. The faith is stored within us. The Bible says it is in our heart. It is near us. It's in our heart. Even in our mouth. The word of faith which we speak or which we preach in the name of Jesus. So the point is, your faith or the lack of faith determines the cost of your life. So today, we're going to have a look at what happens now we've got that faith. We've built up that faith. We've got enough faith in our faith, in our spiritual bank account. How do we withdraw it? How do we reach it? How do we utilize it? And before I go into that, I'm going to speak to us about the areas of our lives that faith can affect or would affect. So let's take a look at today's scripture, which is Matt 11, 23 and 24. Mark 11, verses 23 and 24. Amen. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he, he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Amen. Amen. So that's a familiar scripture, isn't it? And a scripture that probably a lot of us know how to quote by heart. But let's ask ourselves, what actually led to that scripture? What led to Jesus saying what he said then? That scripture, how did, what led to him quoting that scripture? So let's back up to verse 12 to 14. And just to give us some more meat around this. Amen. 
Mark 11, 12 to 14. Now the next day, when he had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. Amen. Now, the question here is, it was not the fig season. So why was there the expectation to find fruit on a tree that wasn't a season? I don't know if that's a question you would like to ask, but that's a question I would like to ask. Because there is a season. The Bible tells us there's a time and season for everything. And that goes with, our, with the fruits, with the vegetables. You go to the market, and if you ask for something, oh, they'll tell you, oh, it's not in season yet, so you have to wait. So if it was not in season, why was Jesus Christ looking for a fruit on a tree that wasn't in season? Now, history tells us and research tells us that in that part of the world, right, if there's a leaf on a tree, then there's bound to be a fruit. So an indication was because there were leaves, and that is why when Jesus saw that there was leaves, he was expecting there to be a fruit because that was an indicator there. So there was no fruit and what did Jesus do in verse 14? In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. Amen. And the disciples heard it. So the disciples heard their master, whom they've been with for a few years, speaking to a tree. You know, um, you know I just look at myself and I'm thinking, if I'm going out somewhere with a mentor of mine, and all of a sudden he turns around and talks to a tree, I think I'll probably start speaking in tongues and asking, Lord, have mercy, you know, what's going on here? But the Bible says that they, 12 that were with him, the disciples, they heard it. Amen. Right, let's look at verse 20. Fast forward. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look. The fig tree, which you cursed, has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever, whoever says to the mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things um, he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Amen. 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 So that's just us going over the previous scripture. It says, have faith in God. Another version says, have the God kind of faith. So here Jesus was with his disciples. Now let's not forget that they were not born again. Because Jesus had not died then. So, but he was teaching them something. And he was saying to them, what I have just done you can also do the same thing if you have the same kind of faith. So this was a period of teaching. This was a period of mentoring. And he's saying to them, I'm teaching you these things. You watch what I do. You watch how I speak. And you do likewise. 
So even though they weren't born again, there was so much that Jesus was teaching them. So, well, I want you to have a God kind of faith. And some of us might say, yes, I want that kind of faith. And we're going to live here and we're going to get home and go on our knees and say, Father, I want that kind of faith. But I can tell you that that prayer would not work. And why is that? Does anyone know why? Pardon? Because we already have it. We already have that God kind of faith. The word is in us. It's in our hearts. The word of faith, which we speak, which we confess on a very daily basis. If you're sat here this morning, if you're a child of God, if you've given your life to Christ, then you already have it. And when Jesus finished at the cross, what did he say? It is finished. That means I've done everything that I could ever do. So what we need to do is take hold of what has already been done. And we appropriate that in our own lives. Romans 12, 3. It says, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is amongst you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to, but to think soberly, as God has dealt with each one a measure of faith. So I wasn't just saying it, it's in the word. To every believer, not to everyone, to every believer. Because this was Apostle Paul speaking here. And he was speaking to the church in Rome. And he was speaking, he said, to everyone amongst you. So he wasn't speaking to the whole world. He was speaking to those who were Christians, who had given their lives to Christ. So if that is you this morning, you already have faith. That faith is for the saints of God. Not those who aren't. It's for those who have confessed him as the Lord and Savior. We all have that faith. It takes faith to get saved. The Bible says, Ephesians 2.8, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, not by yourselves, for it is the gift of God. So why is faith such a big deal? Why do we talk about faith, faith, faith? It's because it's a big deal to God. You can't get saved without it. You can't have a successful Christian life without it. Romans 1.17 says, it says, For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Galatians 3.11. It says, 
But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. The just shall live by faith. Hebrews 10, 38, the just shall live by faith. So we, hear, we have it multiple times. And how many of us knows that when God says something more than once, there's a reason for that. He needs us to take hold of it. We cannot please God without faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Take note of that word, diligently. That is spending time in his presence. That means taking hold of his word. That means utilizing his word, appropriating it in our lives. You need faith to resist the devil. James 4, 7. It says, therefore, submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. And what? He will flee. But it says, submit. So you cannot resist the devil without submitting first unto God. Otherwise, you don't have the weapon to be able to resist the devil. I like first, the way First Peter says it. First Peter 5, 8 and 9. It says, be sober, be vigilant. Let your eyes, your spiritual eyes be open. It says, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion. Seeking whom he may devour. says, resist him. Steadfast in the faith. Steadfast in the faith. So faith has a lot to do with resisting the devil. Because John 10, 10 tells us this. It says, the enemy comes, the thief comes, but to steal, to kill, and to destroy he has an agenda. And because he has an agenda, we need to ensure that we're equipped to resist him. Amen. You cannot have your prayers answered without faith. And I think I mentioned this as well last week. Matthew 21, 22. It says, and whatever things you ask for in prayer, believe you receive. That is faith at work. And I remember last week, I said, you know, we talk about the importance of prayer. But if you pray from now to December of next year, and you have no faith to receive those prayers, it does not profit much. James 1.5 tells us, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally without reproach and it will be given to him. It says, but let him ask in faith, without doubting. For he who doubts is like the wave of the sea, driven to and fro by every wind. For let not that man expect to receive anything from the Lord, because he is double-minded and unstable in all his ways. So this is how we get our prayers answered. This is how we resist the devil. This is how we get saved. 
We need faith in the time of trouble. And we know time of trouble will come. I'm not prophesying it. The Bible tells us this. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into the grace which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So when trouble comes, how do we walk in peace in the midst of the storm? It is through faith. And that is how we overcome. The Bible says our victory. That is how we walk in victory. The family of God is called the household of faith. The Bible tells us, says, therefore, as we have opportunity, as much as we have that opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those in the household of faith. That's Galatians 6.10. So every area of our lives as a Christian requires faith. Even when we fight, the Bible tells us we have to fight with a good fight of faith. And that's the only battle we're asked to fight, church. That's the only battle. The good fight of faith. 1 Timothy 6.12 says, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life to which you were called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. 1 John 1, 5, 4, he says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is our victory that we overcome the world, even our faith. So faith is part of our spiritual armor. We need it every single day, along with our prayers. How do we run the course of our earthly walk? We need faith to help us walk this walk. We need to run the race of faith. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by a cl great cloud of weaknesses, let us lay aside every weight and every sin that so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that was set before us, looking unto Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. The Bible says, who for the joy was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat at the right hand of God the Father. So you see, as a Christian, you require faith to walk this walk. We are faith children of a faith God. Faith is our DNA. Faith is our spiritual weapon. 
And I'll tell us what faith is not. Faith is not a quick, rich, get rich scream. Faith is not a spare tire on our cars. Faith is not a panic button. So it's not a case of, oh, you know, when something happens, ooh, I need faith. We should already have that faith account overflowing. Faith is not a microwave, instant. Whatever you put in is what you get out. Faith is a lifestyle. Every single day of our lives. You either have it or you don't. Faith is that message that will usher in the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We sing that song, Come Lord Jesus, Come. It's our expectation. Faith is what would impact nations, what would impact generations. When we pray, we pray in faith. There's an expectation, there's a hunger. There's something we're expecting to see when we pray. And that is faith. Church, there's a devil out there. There's someone out there that does not want each and every one of us to reach our potential. And he will do whatever it takes to derail us. But because we have Christ, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, we hold steadfast. And faith does not mean that we wouldn't have tests or trials. You know, I put it this way. You may not be able to stop a bird or a pigeon landing on your head, but you can surely stop it from laying an egg. So when you see that pigeon coming, you know what to do. You're not, gonna, you're not even going to land on my head, let alone lay an egg. Faith is who we are. It takes faith for us to do the things that God has called us to do. And that's why we said the word of God is near us. It's in our hearts. It's in our mouth. So question is, how do we use it? How do we make those withdrawals? Whatever it is that we say, whatever seeds that we sow through the words of our mouth, Bible says our words dominate us. What are you saying? What are you confessing? When you hear those words, what is that saying in your heart? Every place I've worked, I've made it known, I can't stand swearing. I say it in a nice way, and then I have to say it in a hard way if I need to. 
I don't want my ears polluted. So when we hear things we're not supposed to hear, what do we do with it? When we see things on TV we should not be watching, what do we do with it? Let's guide our ear gates, our eye gates, our mouth gates. How do we utilize our faith account? We take hold of the word of God that has been sown. And when a circumstance comes, when a situation comes, you take hold of it. A few days ago, I was in bed and I was asleep. And all of a sudden, I just thought of someone. And the enemy started to bring all sorts of things. And I started to confess the word. You will not die. You would live. You will fulfill your days. And I started to confess over this person's life. We need to take hold. A few weeks, a few months ago, I think it was last month, the overt principle, one verse at a time. Let us bank one verse for one situation and begin to build on it. Because God says he's given us a measure of faith. We now need to grow that measure of faith. When stuff happens, you wouldn't be able to pick your Bible in most cases. What comes out of you is what you've already deposited over the course of the years and the months. And that is why it's important that we don't run on empty. Whatever we confess is, whatever, is what we'll get. So what are we confessing? Let us confess what God confesses. What is God saying about you? What is God saying about that situation? Let's take hold of the word of God. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold fast to the confession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful who has promised us. says, seeing that we have a great high priest that is passed into heaven, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our profession. And why does it say we should hold fast? Because the enemy would always want to steal what we have. And that's why we need to hold fast to it. Guide it around your heart, around your neck. And it's not just about wearing a cross chain around your neck. It's not about putting a Bible under your pillow. It has to be in our heart. The word of God. Faith is what we hold on to when the system of the world fails us. Faith is that, what that woman who had the issue of blood for 12 years held on to. 
She said, if only I could touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. How long is it that you've been holding on? Keep holding on. Because he who has promised never fails. He is faithful. There's so many accounts in the Bible. 38 years of infirmity, of being bent over, years of being crippled, but God came through. And if he came through for them, he will surely come through for you. Are you looking on to God for your boas? Ruth got her boas. So hold on. Your boas is around the corner. Hannah went through turmoil in the hands of Penina. But year after year, year after year, she kept on going to Shiloh. And when the time came, God honored his word. I say to each one of you this morning, what are you looking unto the God of heavens for? Don't stop going to your Shiloh. Don't stop searching the word of God. Your time is now. Don't lose heart. Don't lose faith. Faith is what reversed the natural process of a woman to give us the promised child. All these are in the Bible so that we can take hold of it. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither is it the son of man that he should repent. If he did it for them then, he would do it for us now. And in 10 years time, he will still be doing it. That is the God that we serve. Have you been to the doctors and they said, there's nothing I can do? I'm reminded of a sister who had cancer and was in hospital. And while she was in hospital, she was actually ministering. And we went to visit. And she said, oh, the only reason I'm here is so that I can minister to the unbelievers. And every time they wanted to give her medicine, she would say, can you wait? I need to pray. What is it you're seeking the face of God for? Your family? Your children? A husband? A wife? Your job? Your health? What is it that God cannot do? We serve an I will God. I will. That is his name. I will. Would you heal me, God? I will. Will you protect me? I will. Would you provide for me? I will. He has never said no. And that's why the Bible says this is the confidence that we have in him. That when we call upon him, but we need to call upon the name of the Lord. This was what got Paul and Silas out of the prison. So this morning, 
we have a faith table here of what God did for us on the cross of Calvary. Now, what we have in front of us are symbols of what Christ did for us. And the only way we're able to receive what Christ did for us is by faith. Now, when we read all the bits we read in Scripture, it talks about this is the body. But we know this is not the body of Christ itself. It's symbolic of it. But we know that when we take it, we're taking it in faith as a symbol of the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as we're taking it, we're remembering what the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords did for us over 2,000 years ago. That we can continue to remember and continue to teach our children and to teach our children's children of what Christ did for us. That finished work. The Bible says that when Jesus sat down with his disciples at the table and they ate, the Bible says he took bread and when he had broken it, he gave thanks and he said, this is my body, which is given for each and every one. What was Jesus saying? He was saying, I am going to be crucified. My body is going to be beaten, temple that I am in. It's going to be whipped. This temple is going to be scourged. This temple is going to be broken. My life is going to be taken. That is his body being broken for each and every one. Not for them then alone, but for those of us now and for those to come in generations. And he gave it to them and he said, eat. And in the same vein, he took the cup. The Bible says the cup of the new covenant. And we know we live under the new covenant. The covenant of grace. The covenant of love. Thank you for listening. Join us for our weekly Sunday service at 10.30am at 336 Brixton Road. We hope you were blessed.